Well, good morning. Hope you don't get blown away today. No, no, no. You can get blown away by the uh, insight and analysis. I'm winking. I'm laughing at myself. Uh, on this podcast, and hopefully by the inspiration at the end, in the faith portion of the podcast, which I'm very excited about today. But hopefully um, you don't get blown away by the wind, because, man, is it windy in Columbus, Ohio, today on February the 1st. Is today Groundhog Day? I guess is it February 1st or 2nd. I don't know. Uh, but it's coming in like a lion. So that means it's going out like a lamb, right? If you believe in old uh, sayings, which nobody does. Good morning. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with us in the aftermath of Ohio State by 17 over Michigan State. That's topic number one today. We'll get to the Lions trade of Matthew Stafford. Wow. Let's hope Spiels is not on the uh, FBI's 10 most wanted list for grand larceny. Although they're mixed views of that trade, and we'll go into them, but I think the Lions did pretty well, considering everybody knew that Matt Stafford was asking to be traded. Helps that you have a bunch of teams that wanted him. So we'll go through that trade as well. There's really good news in Big Ten basketball, which I'm winking when I'm saying that too, because somebody's not doing well. No, it's not necessarily Sparty. It's someone else. Who would make me so happy that they're not doing well? Oh, if you're a longtime Bruce Hooley listener, you know who that is. We'll give you some of the numbers on the misery of the team whose misery makes me very, very cheerful. And uh, the Browns. I saw a headline this morning on my Google News alert. Doug Maurice, guy whose talent is really phenomenal as a writer, as a columnist, and also, although it's not tapped very often, as a he would Doug would be a phenomenal radio host or radio partner. But he asked a question: Are the Browns the third best team in the AFC? And ESPN wrote about how close is your team to going to the Super Bowl? They put teams in several tiers, and we'll tell you what tier the Browns are in and what they have in common with the other teams in that tier. So I'm looking forward to doing all that and a faith portion on the blessing of living without confusion. So. First, before we get to it, Joe Biden has drained, I don't know, 20 pens of ink signing executive orders. And one of them, one of them uh, intersects with the Spielman and Hooley podcast sponsors, our friends, AUIinfo.com. I told you throughout December, open enrollment was ending December the 15th, and it did. But now it's back open, or it is opening, I think, on February the 15th. Joe Biden, in an effort to get more people uh, enrolled in Obamacare has reopened open enrollment. So if you missed it in December or you did it in December and you think, ah, I wish I hadn't done that, I wish I'd done another health plan, well, now's the time to get with AUI Info, Chrissy, Steve, Julie, and all the great folks there and let them take a good, hard look at your health plan. Business owners, you don't need open enrollment to switch. You can switch anytime, and that includes those of you who are in what the government calls a group of one. You are a plumber, a lawyer, a consultant, a realtor, you're in business for yourself, as Clay Travis has said, and I love it. You're not a businessman, you're a business man or woman. So yes, you can do that anytime. And AUI for businesses with multiple employees offers free and vast expertise in HR. That's the jackpot that can take you down, particularly now in the COVID era, where everybody's trying to figure out, what do I do with an employee who doesn't want to get vaccinated? What do I do with an employee who insists everyone else get vaccinated before they come back? What do I do with someone who's got a comorbidity? 
all these things AUI can help you through from an HR perspective. And there are companies that do nothing but freelance HR. And there are people who do nothing but hire an HR expert and spend upwards of 70 grand to have that person, maybe more. So with AUI, you get health, disability, vision, dental, all the counseling you need on that, and you get free HR. So auiinfo.com is where you go. Chat with them, set up an appointment, or take care of all the details on chat, on Zoom, in person, on the phone, you name it, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. All right, let's get to Ohio State, 7962 over Michigan State. My first thought is, how did Michigan State get this bad? How did they get this bad? Tom Izzo in his 26th year is in danger of his worst Big Ten record. Uh, they are like 2-6 and six in the Big Ten and barely above 500. They got beat by 30 at Rutgers, which a month or two ago, that wouldn't have seemed like, you know, it was a bad loss. By 30 is a bad loss anytime. But losing by 30 to Rutgers when Rutgers had lost five in a row before they went to Indiana and beat Indiana. Um, speaking of Indiana, Nick Burkhead weighs in on Facebook. He says, candy stripers, question mark? Yes. Spoiler alert, I am going to talk about Indiana basketball. Uh, and Leah weighs in on the Browns, which we'll get to that, Leah, your comment. Thanks very much. We'll get to that during our Browns section. So I just don't know how Michigan State got this bad. And I made a joke yesterday on Twitter and, you know, ha, like that old sports writer that I used to hang out with who would chortle his own things. He loved his own stuff. I, too, am occasionally given to loving my own stuff. And I'm watching the game and I'm thinking... Izzo got caught without a point guard. Like, what? Did Cassius Winston leaving after year 16 catch him off guard? Like, how do you not have a point guard at Michigan State? Like, they've had great point guards down through the years. Kalen Lucas and Mateen Cleaves and Cassius Winston and on and on and on and on. I mean, it's not like Izzo doesn't know a point guard is important. Like, Michigan State won a national championship for Judd with Magic Johnson at point guard. So, I mean, point guard is ingrained in the Michigan State DNA. So I guess Rocket Watts has been a classic disappointment. No offense, Rocket. I love your name, but you're not playing well. To Michigan State. And this brings about a lesson that Jim O'Brien used to talk about at OSU. He recruited, do I need to mention? I'm not going to mention the name. He recruited a point guard one year. And he was so excited about this guard coming in. Just out of his mind excited about this guard. You wait till you guys see this guy. Oh, he told Bob Baptist. And, I, you wait till you see you. and so we were waiting. And I even, in a trip to a Big Ten road game, got the chance to watch this kid on a high school game. And I said to BB, I'm like, I don't get the fuss. And he's like, yeah, I don't either. And he came to Ohio State, and he was, you know, he was, he played a lot. He had an injury. He had some games where he was okay, but he was not the answer, unless the question was who's going to be expected to do great, phenomenal things and just do some okay things. That's the answer to that question. Um, so Jim O'Brien learned I'll never make that mistake again. I'll always recruit. As many point guards as I can. Yes. And that is what Chris Holtman has done. He's recruited as many point guards as he can, and it's a good thing. This year, he had C.J. Walker. He brought in Abel Porter from Utah State. Abel Porter, thankfully, the doctors discovered a heart situation that put made him vulnerable, and so Abel Porter has sit out. Then 
You got Jimmy Sotos here from Bucknell. Jimmy Sotos was supposed to sit out this year while in the NCAA made this a free year for everybody, so Jimmy Sotos got to play. Now Jimmy Sotos injured. So they're scrambling. They bring in Michi Johnson from Garfield Heights Trinity. He's supposed to be in high school, but it's a free year. He might as well come play college basketball. Michi's helped him. Michi's helped him, and he's going to help him down the stretch. So they got four point guards on the roster, so you can never have too many point guards. Tom Izzo, apparently, did not heed the lesson of Jim O'Brien. Which, by the way, reminds me of a Tom Izzo, Jim O'Brien story. It's my podcast. I can digress if I want to. When Jim O'Brien got fired by Ohio State for uh, allowing Boban Savovich to have a free cable and a craftmatic bed from his benefactor in Gehenna, we were all stunned because Obi was like Mr. Straight and Arrow, right? He was the guy who wouldn't recruit LeBron James. I don't recruit guys who have pussies. <laughs> Great decision. But I called Izzo and I'm like, are you as surprised by this as I am? Like Jim O'Brien let go for recruiting violations? And Izzo said, I said, well, how do they move on from this? And Izzo said, well, I, I would tell you they need to go out and get the most honest coach in America, but I thought they already had that guy. Yes, we all did. And Izzo thought he already had the guy to succeed 16-year veteran Cassius Winston, but Rocket Watts is not getting it done. So they, their offense is a train wreck. How many transition baskets did they have yesterday? I don't remember one. Izzo and Michigan State's offense is like the uh, half-brother of North Carolina's transition offense and Kansas' transition offense. I mean, they have been known to score like three seconds after you score. They are really historically good in transition. And they're not good in transition this year at all because they don't have a guy to push the ball. So that's why they struggle. And Ohio State won the game comfortably. Although, here's the thing with Ohio State. First of all, E.J. Liddell is really playing well. Now, I don't know if he's going to make first team all Big Ten. That's going to depend on where Ohio State finishes. Luca Garza's a lock. Uh, Ayo DeSomo from Illinois is a lock. Uh, the pro and then it's then it's like there's probably seven, eight guys that could take the other spots on that team. But E.J. Liddell's playing really well. He's a super tough cover. He's going out the three-point line. He's feeling more comfortable out there. He can go into the paint. He got that quick turnaround jumper. E.J.'s a baller. So that's great. Justice Suing, who I had honestly given up on. I thought he was overhyped. We heard in the preseason Justice Suing, ah, he's a hybrid of Kata Bates-Diop and Jay Sean Tate because he can handle and he can run the point and he's really good in mid-range. And I was like, Okay, great, if he is. And he started that way, and then, whoa, once the Big Ten started, Justice Suing kind of vanished. Well, it's counterintuitive. This is why Chris Holtman's a great coach. Some guys you get more out of when you ask them to do more. It's like they forget about all the things they're not doing well, and they just realize, like, i got to handle the ball. And I gotta... So when they got in a point guard pickle, they put Justice Suing on a point, and he's been great since then. Now, he's not, you know, 20-point, 10-rebound guy every night, but he's 12 and 6 and pretty good ratio of assists, steals to turnovers. That helps. I said, what, two podcasts ago. The problem with coaching this team is you got too many guys, you don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. Seth Towns yesterday was scoring test Seth Towns. Thursday night at Iowa, mm, that scares me. He might be no point, Seth Towns. He made a shot yesterday. I don't know. They made two shots yesterday that they had no business getting points out of. Seth Towns at the end of the shot clock. Well, three, now that I think about it. Dwayne Washington, step back three at the end of the shot clock. And Kyle Young, 
rebounding an EJ Liddell air ball at the end of the shot clock and hitting like a fall away 15 footer along the baseline. Somebody just took a stake and drove it right through Izzo's heart right there because that was when Michigan State was starting its comeback. So I'm not I'm not on board. I was reading some of the sites this morning, and they're like, oh, Ohio State, are they a Final Four team? Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's icy out. Pump the brakes, champ. They're winning six of seven. Now they have at Iowa, at Maryland. Then I forget who home is and away again. I got three or four on the road. And I know road games are not what they were before. It's not like they're going to go into Carver Hawkeye and have a million screaming people in there, and they're really awkwardly fashion black and gold coveralls uh, or go to Cole field house and have, you know, that filled up with screaming crazy people, but it's still, they've been good on the road. They've been great on the road. I mean, come on. They won three in a row on the road on Saturdays before this past Saturday against top 15 teams. But I was a tough cover for them because of Garza. And because they got good three-point shooters, so you got to guard the underneath, and you have to guard the three-point line. So uh, that's where we are with Ohio State. And I thought yesterday uh, the problem they have is they're a little bit like Andy Dalton. They're good enough to keep both teams in it. They, you know, Andy Dalton, five-time playoff quarterback. But if you're going to rely on Andy Dalton, eh, sometimes he's going to let the other team in it. Ohio State's a little bit that way. C.J. Walker with two inexplicable turnovers that led to Michigan State layups. Ohio State has a tendency to go stretches where they just get loose, lax with their concentration defensively and with their shot selection. And then (laughs) Dwayne Washington is, he's, Chris Holtman said it. I love the kid. He's going to drive me to an early grave. What is that at the end of the half where you have, was it an 11-point lead, I think? And you have 38 seconds on the clock. Okay, so you can eat up most of that clock with holding the ball. Dwayne Washington, he just has, there's like this invisible on television but visible to anyone who's watched Dwayne Washington play for a while. There's this neon sign above Dwayne Washington that you as a fan see him have the ball at times and you go, well, he's going to put up a really bad shot right here. And at the end of the first half, remember he like dribbled in like he was going to take a 30-foot three, and then he didn't. I thought, oh, good, the angel on Dwayne Washington's shoulder told him, no, Dwayne, think better of that. So instead, Dwayne Washington backed off, took about three more dribbles, did his little wow 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 shimmy shake thing back up and jacked up another one. And Chris Holtman got in his ear coming off the floor. Now they got lucky because Justice Suing got the rebound and Michigan State didn't get a shot at the end of the half. But Dwayne, man, sometimes and then he hits a step back three at the end of the shot clock in the second half. So you don't want to take that aggressiveness away from him, but you would love for him to <laughs> to figure out when and when not to. And I'm not sure he's managed that. And that makes him vulnerable. Because if CJ's going to turn it over right under the Michigan State basket, if Dwayne Washington's going to take some bad threes, you cannot expect Justin Orange to hit 50% of his threes every game. You just cannot do that. I know he's hitting that rate right now, but he's going to have a one-for-six game. 
And if he has a one-for-six game when Seth Towns is non-scoring Seth Towns and his knees bothering him, well, they'll have, they may have a stretch, and they may be embarking on a stretch where they might lose two out of three, three out of four. But the guy in charge is rock solid. And I like Holtman acknowledging after the game yesterday. I felt a little funny asking him this because Wednesday night when they beat Penn State, the whole postgame message was, yeah, we had a lead. Yeah, we let Penn State back in it. We're really lucky to have won. But we're going to smile about every win, and we're not going to take wins for granted. Okay, I get it. Tough league. Uh, what, 11, 10, 11 teams going to make the NCAA tournament? I get it. Every win's important. But you can still celebrate every win and acknowledge that there are things you did in that win that made that win way more adventurous than it should have been. That was the case against Penn State on Wednesday. That was the case against Northwestern in Columbus. Remember when they got it down one-point game where they were like in control the whole game and then Orange saved their bacon with a three? And that was the thing that happened home against Purdue where they lost on Jaden Ivey's three with five seconds left. And that was the case at Northwestern where they led by five with three minutes to go and then just started indiscriminately jacking up threes and lost when Washington missed a layup at the buzzer. So they're eight and four in a Big Ten. It's great be greater if they were 10 and 2 and they could be if they didn't have these lapses of Andy Dalton where they are good enough to win it but they're good enough to help the other team win it and after the game yesterday Holtman said yeah we got a lot of things we got to do better but they do a lot of things well too so they're not a super team this I don't understand other than just trolling for clicks this whole are they a final four team they might be they might have been last year but it would help if they get rid of this tendency to keep the other team in the game because you do that in March, eventually you will pay for it. And then you have a whole offseason to think about dumb step-back threes and sloppy ball handling and inadvertent defensive breakdowns, and that's hard to shake when you're in that situation. Now, you may and certainly will live with regret if you – Wait to find an attorney until you need an attorney. Now's the time for the seed I'm planting in your brain at this very moment to perhaps go dormant, perhaps sprout, perhaps full flower if you need an attorney right now. If you need one down the road, you have a business partnership you're going to start, an endeavor, you need a contract, you're the subject of someone wanting to hire you and you have a contract, you are the victim of personal injury, you inadvertently on the ice slide into somebody and they sue you for something innocuous and, you know, random. Many different reasons why you would need an attorney at work, workers' compensation, employment law, probate, wills estate planning. All these specialties fall under the umbrella of the expertise of my friends, Stan, Kelly, Phil, Ashley, and the attorneys at Willis Spangler Starling. That's the firm you need to remember. Or go to right now if you need an attorney, Willis Spangler Starling. My friend Steve starting a business, going with Willis Spangler Starling. Smart, smart. Willis Spangler Starling located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Low, actually not even low, no pressure atmosphere. Not a, you might be able to find one necktie in the building when you go in. Rest assured when they're in court, they'll be all dressed up and ready to go. But it's a very, very cool group of people. 
They have a lot of fun. Follow them on Twitter, Spangler Willis. Mark their website in your mind or on your bookmarks, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. And if you have a legal question, you can send it to me here at the Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com. Yes, I have not forwarded a new address yet. Or at my uh, radio show on Sal- on the Salem Media Network at 9890answer, bruce at 9890answer.com, bruce at 9890answer.com. Any legal question? And the attorneys from Willis, Spangler, Starling will answer them Friday night at 6 p.m. on Ask the Attorney on the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. All right, so we've dispensed with the Buckeye basketball victory. Now let's get to, before we get to, the Stafford trade and the Cleveland Browns and where they rank. Uh, let me bring you something that cheered me up. Uh, the Daily Hoosier writes a story about Indiana and where they are under Archie Miller. Now, true confession. Uh, I was upset when Gene Smith dithered in making a change from Thad Mata and Chris Holtman was the best fallback candidate we had. At that particular time, Archie Miller had been the head coach at Dayton and he'd done very well, including beating Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. And Archie Miller had been an assistant coach under Thad at Ohio State. And having coached at Dayton, he was 60 miles away and he knew all the coaches in the state of Ohio. And I thought, Gene, you blew it. Because Archie Miller got hired at Indiana, and I thought, well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a nice comparison between how IU does and how Ohio State does, and Archie Miller at Indiana is going to do very, very well, and knowing, as all of you do, how that torments me when Indiana does very well, I was afraid it was not going to go well. Well, I stand corrected. I throw myself on the mercy of (laughs) the court, and I will... Absolutely 100% now endorse, which I have been able to for several years, endorse what Greg Doyle, the Indianapolis Star columnist, told me, which is you're going to love Holtman and you're going to see he's a great coach. I didn't say he's a better coach than Archie. I don't think Greg really fully knew Archie, so it wouldn't have been fair for him to make a comparison. But he knew Holtman coming from Butler, and he said, oh, you got a great coach. Well, we do have a great coach. And Indiana may be on the cusp of, at least if they're not already thinking about thinking about parting with Archie Miller because here are some of the numbers on Archie Miller. They've won some big games during his time there. Uh, they beat, uh, they've beaten a fair amount of top 10 teams. But after beating a top 25 team, Indiana under Archie Miller is 2-9. and 2-9. Nine. Two and nine. They are not building on their momentum. No, they are not. Uh, here is Archie Miller's record against the rest of the teams in the Big Ten. Most notably, he is 1-5 and five against Chris Holtman. 1-5. and five. He is 0-6 oh against Purdue. He is 1-4 and four against Wisconsin. He is 2-4 and four against Rutgers. 2-3 and three against Maryland. 3-3 three and three against Illinois. And 4-2 and two against Iowa. So... His record in the Big Ten is not good against the teams that are typically populating the top of the conference standings. Oh, sure. He is 4-1 and one against Penn State and Minnesota and 4-2 and two against Nebraska. Shockingly, he is 3-2 and two against Michigan State. But he doesn't build on momentum. In 2018, they had a four-game winning streak in the Big Ten. Then they had a four-game losing streak. Um, in 2019, they started the Big Ten 3-0. and oh. And then they lost 
12 out of 13. Ouch. So uh, Archie Miller is uh, not getting it done. It doesn't. I don't have any personal angst against Archie. He and I got along fine when he was at Ohio State, of course. When you join the Indiana Hoosiers, you join the enemy, and the enemy is the enemy. <laughs> so that's what's going on with IU Hoops. And uh, I should not delight in other people's misery. I don't delight in Archie's misery. It's just that he's on the Indiana ship, and I don't necessarily want that ship to reach port safely. I want it to be adrift at sea, listing, if not sinking. And so, Arch, you decided to board it, and you will not be someone that I have a great deal of uh, empathy for relative to my basketball Buckeyes. All right, so that is uh, the Indiana misery portion of the podcast, which I don't do very often, but which I think is... uh, well, well worth our time today. All right. Let me remind you, if you want to start your day with a punch and you want to support a great company, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Their coffee is tremendous. Here's the sign behind me, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. They buy their coffee direct from the grower. That's their motto. We shake the hand of the coffee farmer in foreign lands where you'd never be able to get that coffee at Kroger or Starbucks, or Dunkin', or any place else you buy coffee. And you'll get it at a much better price, and you'll know that your money is plugging into local economies in Nicaragua, Thailand, um, Ethiopia, and uh, other places, Indonesia. And that's why the soil contents and all that stuff in those markets is phenomenal for coffee. They also have great chocolate that's grown from a cover crop, which shields the coffee from the hot sun, their chocolate, it's not really chocolate. It's called cocao, which it's gluten-free, non-GMO, sugar-free. It's got all the freeze and nons that you want, except for taste. It's great. It's keto-friendly, did I add? Yes, I just did. So order chocolate, coffee, tea. And further, people in countries that, look, they're not as blessed economically as we are. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Okay. Uh, Leah is my dog, says, no, the Browns are not Super Bowl worthy, not the third best team in the AFC, as Doug Maurice postulates possibly today. Uh, he, he postulates that theory. Are they the best team? I didn't read Doug's story. My answer is no as well. Browns linebacking crew and secondary is horrible. Need to upgrade before they're a top five team. Agree. Agree. Leah is my dog. Here's the thing with the Cleveland Browns, okay? They are not the third best team in the AFC just because they had the Kansas City Chiefs where few teams are able to get the Kansas City Chiefs and didn't take advantage of it. Why did they not take advantage of it? Because they were 80 yards from a go-ahead touchdown with seven minutes left in a game and two timeouts and Chad Henney playing quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns quarterback was not good enough to get him in the end zone. Harsh? Yes. True? Also yes. The Cleveland Browns cannot be considered the third best team in the AFC when they have a quarterback who is a middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. He is, as I've said before, a first-class upgrade over Andy Dalton. He can win you a game on his arm, I just don't think he can win you three postseason games on his arm the way that Tom Brady can, the way that 
Aaron Rodgers can, the way that Drew Brees can, the way that Patrick Mahomes can, the way that Russell Wilson can. I do not see Baker Mayfield at this juncture, and I've covered this many times for many reasons, emotionally, physically, mentally, focus-wise, I do not see him as the elite kind of quarterback you need to go all the way to the Super Bowl. And Leah is my dog, makes a point about their defense, which is also accurate. They're very solid on the defensive line when Olivier Vernon's not hurt. But their linebacking crew is somewhat average. And their secondary may be a product of injuries that they are vulnerable. They have some guys in the secondary who played pretty well this year. I stand by my draft day aversion to taking Denzel Ward. And right now you're going, what are you, crazy? Denzel Ward's a great corner. He is. He is. He's great at the back pedal. He's great at one-on-one coverage. He's great at high-pointing the ball. He's great at all those things. But what is the one ability that Denzel Ward lacks? Class? (sighs) Yes, you in the back with your hand raised. What is it? Availability. Yes, availability. Denzel Ward is hurt too much. And that's what I said on draft day was, guy's been hurt at Ohio State, and you go to the NFL, it doesn't get less physical, and he's hurt a lot, and he's not out there, and he doesn't help you on a depth chart. He doesn't help you on paper. Obviously, you don't want to trade him, but I'm just saying it's a crapshoot. He and Greedy Williams and all the guys they have that are hurt, Are they guys that you can count on? They have not proven to be guys you can count on. So what's the intangible that makes some guys able to withstand the rigors of a season? I don't know, but I'm just saying it's very difficult to do what the Browns aspire to do when your best corner is a 70-30 proposition to be out there. It just is very difficult to do. Guys like Daryl Green and Deion Sanders and on and on and on, the great corners, they find a way to be out there every week. They find a way to be doing their job. And Denzel Ward has not yet been that kind of a guy. So until he is and until they can, uh, you know, do what they need to do, then it's a problem. Uh, Leah adds a second tweet, Ward is not a premier cornerback. Well, he is when he's healthy. Uh, but it's not healthy enough, which I think I've just made the case for. All right, uh, so we've done everything but the Stafford trade, which I texted Spiels over the weekend, and I said, I hope the authorities are not looking for you because uh, you may be a, um accessory, an accessory to grand larceny. That was my initial reaction to the Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff trade. Matthew Stafford wanted to be traded by the Lions. The Rams wanted to trade Jared Goff. The Lions talked with many teams. They talked with Indianapolis. They talked with Carolina. They talked with San Francisco. Oh, by the way, on Baker Mayfield, I have one other point I wanted to make. Sorry, before we get to Stafford. ESPN Today runs a story. How close is your team to the Super Bowl? Okay. And they put the Browns in the third tier, more than a year away. More than a year away, okay? Well, that's not comforting because how long can you hold this offensive line together? How long can you pay all those guys? How long can you pay Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? So 
They have, I think, a trade asset in Odell Beckham. I would not re-sign Odell. I would not bring back Odell Beckham. He is signed for a nice long period of time. I would trade him. And yes, I would take a second-round pick for Odell Beckham. Just because I think it's addition by subtraction, getting rid of him. He just he just engulfs so much oxygen in the room having him there. And one LSU diva wide receiver is enough, Jarvis Landry. Uh, so they're good enough at wide receiver the way it is. But I would get rid of Beckham. But the problem is quarterback. The problem is quarterback. So here are the other teams. Here are the other teams in the more than a year away tier, according to ESPN. All right? Colts, 49ers, Titans, Steelers, Cardinals. What do four of those five teams and you could almost argue all five of those teams have in common with the Cleveland Browns. Their quarterbacks are have not proven themselves to be good enough to lead you to a Super Bowl. Colts don't have a quarterback. Jacoby Brissett after Phillip Rivers' retirement. 49ers are, huh, Jimmy Garoppolo, don't know. He's led them to a Super Bowl, just like Jared Goff. But the 49ers are like, mm, geez, I hope we didn't, I hope we didn't blow it here. He has availability issues, too. Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill's okay. Is Ryan Tannehill special? No. Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. He's special when healthy. Is he healthy? Threw a lot of short passes last year. Didn't look too special in the playoff game against the Browns. Ben Roethlisberger, the question about him is a question of age. It's not a question of when healthy and 100%. Can he do it? It's just a question of age. The Pittsburgh Steelers pick up Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Good luck with that. Josh Dobbs, they got Mason Rudolph. Quarterback questions, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they qualify. And Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray looks great. I like Kyler Murray, but you don't know about Kyler Murray. And as much as he runs, could he get hurt? Anytime. So all those teams and Baker Mayfield, you can say, well, Baker Mayfield, come on, he's great. Kyler Murray, come on, he's great. Yeah, it can be, but you don't know. They have not proven it. You cannot put their resumes aside. Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson. You cannot put them aside, those quarterbacks. Even Matt Stafford, I would not put their, put the resumes of that group of quarterbacks. I would not put Baker Mayfield's resume aside, Matt Stafford. I know Matt Stafford hasn't won a bunch of games, but he's been in Detroit. And I would I rather have Matt Stafford than Baker Mayfield? Yes. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Okay, so that's my take on the Browns and how other people view the Browns. And I don't know, I'm not trying to snark Doug's story today. I didn't even read Doug's story, but I thought the headline was provocative enough to talk about here on the podcast. All right. Now to the Stafford trade. So the um, Stafford for Goff is two teams trading quarterbacks they, in the Lions' case, want to get rid of because they want to rebuild, they want to move on, they want a new quarterback with a new coach and a new GM. I don't fully understand. I haven't asked Chris about it. It's their decision. It's fine. I'm not going to argue with a NFL executive like Mr. Spielman. Um, and it wasn't, you know, he's not the GM. But the GM came from the Rams. He was the Rams director of scouting. So what does that tell you? The Rams traded up 14 spots to get Jared Goff. Who would have, who would have masterminded that? The director of scouting who liked Jared Goff coming out of Cal. And Jared Goff quarterbacked when they went to the Super Bowl. So I see how I said that. I didn't say he quarterbacked him to a Super Bowl. He quarterbacked when they went to the Super Bowl, which we'll find out if he quarterbacked him to a Super Bowl, if he can get the Lions close or there. 
So the guy from the Rams liked him. There were other teams that I know there are other teams in the league that are cheesed off that the Lions made this deal. Well, they get two ones and a three this year. The Rams hate number one picks. They don't have one for like, it's like a generation. Les Snead hates number one picks. With the Rams, they're expensive. Belichick's done okay, you know, not having an abundance of number one picks. But I am stunned the Lions, in a must-trade Matt Stafford mode, were able to get Jared Goff and two ones and a three. I'm just stunned at that haul. I really am. No one else was offering anywhere close to that. Because, what, the Colts didn't have a quarterback to offer? The Niners could have traded Garoppolo, but I guarantee if they trade Garoppolo, they're not trading two ones and a three. No way John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan are doing that. Carolina, they don't have a quarterback to trade. Teddy Bridgewater. Jared Goff's at least as good as, as, as those guys, and he's going to be excited about going someplace that he wants to go. Now, here's the weird part of this. Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, had a buddy in high school who's now the Bills' wide receiver coach, and that guy, his sister, is married to Matt Stafford. So when you put that relationship together, okay, so McVay knows a guy whose sister's married to Matt Stafford, and you put that the Rams' former head of scouting is now the Lions' GM, it was an inside job. It was going to always be a Rams deal. It always was. None of these other teams, don't don't gripe. You, got, you had no shot. It was an inside job, and the Rams gave up too much. They just did. They gave up too much. Now, if I'm the Lions, boy, I'd make a call to Houston, and I'd say, hey, we got Jared Goff and two ones for Deshaun Watson. I might even, I don't know if I'd give him Goff and three ones, but I might give him, uh, I might give him my one this year, number seven. For Deshaun Watson? Are you kidding? And this is the thing with the Browns and all you Browns fans who like, think I'm wrong on Baker Mayfield, and you're all happy about having Nick Chubb, and I'm happy about having Nick Chubb, but would you rather have Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield, or would you rather have Deshaun Watson? Mm, you got to think about that, don't you? Because that's what it ended up being when they traded out of the spot where they could have taken Deshaun Watson. And they traded it to Houston, and they got the one back, and they used that one to take Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb's, no, they got the two. They got a two for Nick Chubb. They got a two in that trade. And they used that to get Nick Chubb. That's a great draft pick, phenomenal draft pick. But it is a binary choice. Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield or... Deshaun Watson. I'm not even sure that the Baker Mayfield part of that trade had to be a part of that trade. I think the Baker Mayfield thing, they earned that on their own by going winless. So you could have Deshaun Watson and the number one overall pick. That was a blown pick, not picking Deshaun Watson. As I said at the time, and as anybody who has a brain knows right now. So congrats to Mr. Spielman. Congrats to the Detroit Lions and the Honolulu Blue on getting Jared Goff for Matt Stafford, and now we shall see how the Lions do going forward. I'm uh, excited to watch um, and excited. Stafford with the uh, Rams may be great, and if so, nothing wrong with that. Teams that uh, both benefit from a trade, that means it's a good trade. Okay, so now, with all of that said, let's transition to the faith portion of the podcast. And this is a portion of the podcast I'm excited about. I had a chance over the weekend, I had some time, to view several YouTube videos 
of someone who I admire greatly named John MacArthur. John MacArthur is the pastor in California of Grace Community Church. John MacArthur has been in the headlines because he has uh, refused to comply with Governor Gavin Newsom's lockdown orders. John MacArthur has kept his church open after a period of time of closing it. And uh, MacArthur has been featured on many news broadcasts and things like that. So John MacArthur's in the news. He's about 80 years old. He's been at his church for 50 years. But John MacArthur, if you want to surround yourself with really solid biblical teaching, John MacArthur is a person that you can uh, find it from. Okay, so he said something that I found to be quite profound. And he said that it is a blessing to live without confusion. And I pondered that. And I agree with that totally. Many years ago, Chris Spielman said to me something that at the time did not connect with me, but has since connected with me heavily. That is, you have to know what you believe and you have to know why you believe it. I have arrived at that point in my life recently, um, over the past two years, where I not only know what I believe, I know why I believe it. It is extremely useful at this time in America, where we have a lot of uh, uh, rancor, a lot of disagreement. We have put our faith in things that, in my opinion, as a uh, follower of Christ— are going to disappoint us no matter which side of the aisle you populate. Um, MAGA is not going to save you. Um, social justice is not going to save you. <clears throat> By the way, if you put the word, and if you put a word in front of justice, if you use an adjective with justice, it's not justice. If you need to modify justice, it's not justice. Social justice, racial justice, whatever justice. Because what that means is you're just going to, your solution is I'm going to take from this group and I'm going to give to this group so they have justice. Okay, so they have justice, now this group doesn't. So justice does not require an adjective. And if you put one with it, it's not justice. And that is, I'm 100% convinced, a biblical opinion. Because Jesus, the Son of God, and God does not look at us as a group. We're not mankind in their eyes. We're not white America in their eyes. We're not Latin America, Asian America, black America. We're not Americans and Europeans. We are not Americans and Russians or Chinese. We are individuals. God calls each of us individually to repentance and a personal relationship with his son, Jesus, who came to earth to die on the cross and save us from our sins by claiming his perfection as our own. We are not a group in God's eyes. Hence, any ideology that prioritizes one group over another is a tool of Satan is not of God. I say that with absolutely no reservation. Zero reservation. You are personally responsible. My children upstairs in my house right now will not go to heaven 
because I have made the decision to claim Christ's perfection as my own. Nor will they go to heaven because my wife has made that decision. It must be their decision, personal decision. And that is the same for every person in humanity. So I am not confused about what decides my eternal destiny, and I am not confused about my own qualification for acceptance in God's sight. I bring nothing that he wants or needs. I bring nothing that qualifies me. I bring only what Christ did. That is my sole qualification, and that is the same for everyone. So we live in a very turbulent time, and we have many competing voices. We have BLM, and we have Antifa, and we have Trumpism, and we have America First, and we have MAGA, and we have climate change, and we have all these things going on. Um, we have, you know, I believe in American ideals. I believe in freedom and liberty and la, 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 la. The only way any of this makes sense, and it always makes sense, is through the lens of Scripture. If you're not reading the Bible, if you're not surrounding yourself with truth, you are vulnerable and perhaps and most likely misguided because you will believe in these earthly agendas that are advanced and can sound very tempting to adopt. Today is February 1st. You know my routine is to read the chapter of Proverbs that begins, the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds to the date of the month. Today is the 1st of February. I'm in Proverbs 1. And after the preamble to Proverbs about, you know, this is what these are, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, la, 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 the very first one in Proverbs 8, Proverbs 7, excuse me, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And again, fear means reverence, esteem, elevation, priority. It doesn't mean terror. The fear, the acknowledgement, the esteem, the elevation of the Lord to priority in my life is the beginning of knowledge. You have no chance of getting knowledge unless you have made that choice. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. <clears throat> fools despise wisdom, obviously. If they wanted wisdom, they would esteem the Lord. And they despise discipline. And we see that in our world. People despise discipline. They don't want to be disciplined. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be instructed. Well, that is truth. When we commit to truth, there is no confusion. That's why I say it's a blessing to live without confusion. And the only way I live without confusion is to prioritize and acknowledge and humble myself to the authority of Scripture, which is the living, breathing Word of God. It allows, Scripture allows all of us to know in advance that God either causes all things, allows all things, permits all things, and that he has a purpose in all things. And he will accomplish that purpose, whether you cooperate or not. He will accomplish that purpose. And at some point in time, he will not, he will not tell you when. It will be undisclosed, but he will make that clear. So our duty as Christians is to know this, is to commit to this, 
is to proclaim that and claim that. It's two different things. Proclaiming it is telling others. Claiming it is owning it. That is our duty. I had a conversation yesterday at church with a friend of mine who has suffered probably the greatest pain you can suffer as a person emotionally, the loss of a child over a prolonged period of time. And he, can, he, he said to me that he has been able to endure that trial in his life, that valley experience in his life, because God has given him clarity that for the longest time, this friend of mine was praying selfishly. I was stunned by that and very moved by that. because He said, I was praying for what I wanted. I was praying for healing. I was praying for comfort. Understandably, who wouldn't? It's their child. He said, I realized God wanted me to pray for his will. That is a giant faith testimony right there. When you can get to the point where you can humble yourself to acknowledge that what you want may not be what God wants and that you submit to his purpose through that, your growth through the pain, your testimony to others, weathering the pain, whatever it is, this gentleman has gotten there, and he is the toughest dude I know. And I mean tough emotionally. Because he can do that. We cannot. He could have, and many of us in our world do, the exact same thing the children of Israel did in the desert when they started to doubt God's provision for them. He brought them out of Israel. Now think about this. He brought them out of Israel. He separated the Red Sea so they could walk across on dry land and then engulfed Pharaoh and his chariots. He had a pillar of fire by night to guard them. He dropped food on the ground every day for them in the form of manna. And the manna did not keep overnight except on the night before the Sabbath where God would send twice as much as they needed for the next day because they were to gather enough to last them two days because, of course, he did not want them working on the Sabbath. They have all these things they've seen, these miraculous, unmistakable signs of God's presence and favor and protection. And Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to confer with God and get the Ten Commandments, and the Israelites decide that they need to provide for themselves in this moment of waning. So what are we going to do? Well, let's all melt our gold and let's craft an idol that we can worship and put our faith in. It's a very hard to understand and stupid move, right? You'd say, well, if I'm hurting from my kid dying, I'm not going to go melt gold and make an idol and think that idol is going to deliver me. No, but we make idols out of other things. Whatever we invest our time in, whatever we put our confidence in. There are a lot of people right now putting their confidence in some political agenda. A lot of people right now putting their confidence in some social agenda. They're not putting their faith where it belongs to be, and they're confused because their lives are immersed in rancor and anger with people who have put their faith in some other competing agenda. The climate people are fighting the fossil fuels people. The racial justice people are fighting the white supremacist people. The 
you know, the globalist people are fighting the nationalist people. And they're distracted and they're not living free of confusion because they're always battling. And that is why I say I can get immersed in those battles and I can give you full bore political opinions on things. I'm not perfect at this either, but I'm saying that ultimately your faith and your acceptance has to be what my friend said, Lord, whatever you want, I'm about that rather than what I want. I want us out of the Paris Climate Accord. I want us out of here. I want us into that. I want us drilling, fracking, blah, blah, blah. That's not where we're supposed to be. And there's been a lot of talk, you know, among uh, the right that, oh, get your guns and stuff. And if they come and they're going to put you in a re-education camp. And I'm like, never had a peace with that because I'm like, nowhere in the Bible do I see that I can suspend the Ten Commandments. Nowhere do I see that. Nowhere in the Bible do I see that I can find some loophole for if somebody's in power, God's put them in power. I don't know why he put Donald Trump in power. I don't know why he put Joe Biden in power. I have theories, but I don't know. So I'm supposed to submit to authority. Okay, I can submit to earthly authority. I can do that. And you might think, and I thought this, I don't like the way the election went. You might have thought four years ago, I don't like the way the election went. Okay, political, you're, you're entitled to your political opinions. But the ultimate authority is God. Ultimate authority is God, and are we willing to submit to that authority? As much as we may have a virulent objection to a Republican president or a Democratic president or something like that, that's not the real authority that you're supposed to sub. I mean, it is an authority you're supposed to submit to, but it's way under submitting to God's authority. And so there are a couple um, scriptures that come to mind for this that. I think will help you get to that point where you have this enormous blessing of living free of confusion. Because if you're locked in on God, you're going to be free of confusion. You might not have answers, but you'll have an awareness and an allegiance to his ultimate authority in your life, his ultimate sovereignty, his ultimate plan, his ultimate provision, his ultimate peace, all those things that come when you have a rock-solid faith. And one of the verses that came to my mind is, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you're always arguing politics, and that's my job on the air is to talk politics, but not hopefully to argue politics. If you're always arguing, if you're sowing discord, if you're sowing rancor, if you're sowing anger, if you're sowing rebellion, that's what you're going to reap. You're not getting any peace back. Well, what are you sowing? Joshua said at one point, Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. I have to make that decision every single day. Not that I'm wavering in it, but I have to reaffirm it in my own mind. This is who I'm serving. This is who I'm serving. And Proverbs 19.21 is really helpful for me to hang on to. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Green New Deal, fossil fuels, Racial justice, social justice, social program, you know, invest in this, invest in that, blah, 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 pull your money out, be a doomsday prepper. We don't have a lack of plans, right? Everybody's got a plan. Many are the plans in a man's heart, 
but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's Proverbs 19.21. Don't ever forget that. It's comforting to buy into that, to own it. Another verse in Proverbs. Buy the truth. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, understanding, and discipline. Why do you think God talks about discipline so much? Because it's good for us. In a relationship of discipline, you understand who's in charge. You're a parent. Do you discipline your kids because you get off on punishing them, or do you discipline your kids because you're trying to give them parameters that will steer them free of trouble and will demonstrate to them how much you love them? Principle's the same with God. Buy the truth in Scripture. That's the truth. Do not sell it. Do not sell it for worldly this, that, the other agenda, this, that, the other initiative, this, that, the other program, no matter how good it makes you feel, buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Look that up on Google. I don't know the exact proverb, chapter, and verse, but that's one I've committed to my mind. Proverbs 19.21, which I just said, and I'll leave you with today, and that is, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So that's my message for you today. I enjoyed this podcast a lot. I appreciate you watching it. I would really appreciate you patronizing our sponsors. Supporting the podcast on Patreon would be great. Um, got some exciting uh, news that I'm uh, hopeful to announce about uh, some things that we're doing as a family um, to demonstrate our faith and uh, to take charge of some things in our life, and we're excited about seeing how God works all that out. I'll be sharing that with you over the coming weeks and months. For now, that is it for today. For those of you who are inclined, love to have you listen to the show today on 98.9 The Answer at 5 p.m. And you can listen to that on the iHeartRadio, TuneInRadioRadio.com app or the Answer app, 989FM The Answer. You search that in the Google Play and iTunes store. And if you would like, love to hear your feedback. Send me an email, Bruce, or send me an email about the podcast at SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, that would be nice too. Have a great day. Talk to you again very, very soon. 